0: Turn with me to Luke 24, please. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. They were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending a promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of meeting together with other believers. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, you would just expose to us through the teaching of your word things unseen to us. Uh, We acknowledge that your spirit is uh, sharper than a sword. It exposes even the thoughts and intentions of our heart. Uh, We also confess like Paul that we see a war in our members, Lord. With our mind, we strive to serve you. Um, and with our flesh, Lord, we struggle day in and day out. We pray that you would inform our minds uh, and that you would empower us to align our, our lives with our theology. Grow us, Lord, and help us to cast down those things that assert themselves against true knowledge. Uh, Lord, to, uh, to the obedience unto you, Father. Lord, uh, once again, just equip us. Pray that you would give us a good week this week. Get glory through our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you Joel
1: all right um, this is it this is this is sermon number sixty eight in the book of luke um we are we are wrapping up the book of Luke this morning sermon number sixty eight um Andrew Tucker joked this morning in Sunday school that that's, this is the only book he's heard me preach from, is Luke, and uh, I was thinking, man, it feels like it feels like Andrew's been with us forever, uh, and so we've been in the book of Luke for a while. Um, and the, the crazy thing is, and if you've ever taught through uh, for Sunday school or preached through a book of the Bible, um, so I'm I'm not the only preacher teacher who says this. But one of the crazy things is, even after 68 sermons in the same book, right, 68 sermons in the same book, we, we just, we, there's still so much that we haven't talked about. There's so much in here that we have not talked about. Um, I think, I'm not, I'm not making like a, this is not a big like dogmatic theological statement that I'm 100% positive of, but I think that we're going to have the Bible in heaven. I, th- I think we're going to have the 66 books of the Bible in heaven. And I think part of what we do in eternity is study the Word of God with God Himself. That's what I, that's, that's what I think. I think when Jesus says that, that, um, His words are never going to pass away, I think He's referring specifically to Scripture. And I and I think we're going to have scripture with us forever, and it's a good thing too um, because you need forever um, to to unpack just the book of Luke. Um, Luke is a brilliant writer, and he, of course, also is being carried along by the Holy Spirit, and 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 Luke has unfolded the the main plot. The story of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his, his setting his face like flint, his determination to save us from our sin. So Luke has unfolded that plot brilliantly, but then he's also just filled his gospel with all kinds of other themes running alongside. And, and one of the huge themes is joy. There's all, there's all kinds of other side themes. Like, I think if you wanted to do a really fun, um, Sunday school class series, Just do all of the meals in the book of Luke. All of the times that people sit down and have a meal together. What is the theological significance of each of those um, meals? I think that would be be a great Sunday school class. It would be fascinating. There's all kinds of of things. that, Or just just the parables that show up in Luke. Luke has parables that only show up in his gospel. Nowhere else. That would be a fun Sunday school series. one of the other huge themes is joy. There's all kinds of joy and rejoicing and gladness in the Book of Luke. There is great joy at the beginning when at the, at the birth of Jesus, or just at the announcement of the birth of Jesus. There's, there's great joy as you walk through um, the Gospel, and as Luke is, or as Luke is recording um, the way people react to all the things that Jesus does. There's great joy when one sinner is saved. There's there's great joy when the father rushes to embrace his prodigal son. There's there's almost too much joy to be true in today's verses. They they disbelieve for joy. It's almost too good to be true when Jesus rises from the dead. And then the very end of our book today, they they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Verse 52. Verse 51, He blesses them and, he, and He's carried up into heaven. And then verse 52, they worship Him and then they return to Jerusalem with great joy and we're continually in the temple blessing God. There are people in the temple blessing God at the very beginning of the book of Luke and this is how the, the book of Luke ends. Great joy. Great joy. I'm a little bit surprised that they have great joy after Jesus leaves. That's a little bit surprising to me. It's not surprising that when Jesus is with them, it's when he's physically with them, that they're filled with great joy. And when he returns from the dead and, and he's with them then, that, that, that I can see why they would be filled with great joy. But now that he is leaving them, he's no longer physically with them, It's interesting that they are still carrying on with great joy. I don't know what emotion I expected them to have. But I'm surprised that they are ready to carry on joyfully. He's not going to be there anymore. Where they can see him and eat with him and and hear him. His body is going to be gone. But they are ready to carry on joyfully. What What we see as we look at these verses is we see how Jesus has helped them get ready to carry on joyfully. We see five ways, as we look carefully at these verses, we see five ways that Jesus helps his followers carry on joyfully. He's going to be gone. He's not going to be walking with them anymore. He's not going to be eating with them anymore. He's not going to be speaking with them anymore and listening to them. And He's not going to be physically present anymore. But they are ready, anyhow, to carry on joyfully. So this is, this is His kindness to them, but it's also His kindness to us as well. So, so here are five ways Jesus helps His followers be ready to carry on joyfully. Number one... He spoke peace to them. Number one, he spoke peace to them. Verse 36, as they were talking about these things, so the, so the disciples are there and they're talking about the, the resurrected Christ. They've, they've, the, some of them have seen the resurrected Christ and so now they're all talking about it and, and they're thinking he's going to show up maybe. maybe Is he, is he really come back from the dead? Is he, is he, re- is he really going to show us himself again? And, and so they're talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them. He just appears and said to them, peace to you. Some of the most concerning things my mother ever said to me was when she would just look at me and she would say, okay, we'll let your father deal with this when he gets home. There (laughs) are, my mom said some scary stuff to me in my lifetime Um, and we've, You and I have talked about this before. It's it's very difficult for you to believe, but there were times when my mouth got me into trouble um, growing up. I know it seems crazy now, um, but there were times when my mouth got me into trouble. And usually my mom was perfectly fine to deal with my misbehavior on her own. But sometimes I would go far enough where she would say, Okay, fine. We'll let your dad deal with this when he gets home. I was not a big fan of those words. It makes me wonder, I kind of think about that, it makes me wonder what the disciples thought when Jesus suddenly appeared to them. Their their last moments with him before this had not been great. While he was being arrested and while he was being beaten and crucified, and killed, they had left him. They had abandoned him. They had not stuck with him. They had pretended as if they did not know him. Even in the hours leading up, when he he said, please pray with me, please pray with me, they, they fell asleep. And when he was Betrayed and arrested and crucified and killed, they were nowhere to be found. And now he's back. How much trouble exactly are they going to be in? But Jesus doesn't lay into them. Jesus doesn't lecture them. He doesn't punish them. He forgives them. He shows them kindness. His first words out of his mouth to them are, Peace to you. Jesus loves to forgive those who feel proper shame for their sins. Jesus loves to forgive those who repent of their sins. Jesus loves to forgive. He loves to show kindness. This was such good news for those disciples and it's such good news for us today. Like if we're going to have confidence to carry on joyfully until the end, here's how we do it. By remembering The the kindness of Jesus. the, The forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus loves to forgive you even more than you love to be forgiven. Jesus wants you to have peace with God and know the peace of God even more than we want it for ourselves. Jesus loves to forgive. He loves to show kindness. This is the first way Jesus helps them to be ready to carry on joyfully. He spoke peace to them. Second thing Jesus does, he ate broiled fish. Number two, second point of the sermon, second way Jesus helps them be ready to carry on, he ate broiled fish. Starting in verse 37, but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. So There's something about the way he just appeared um, that didn't seem... Like it was like he was a person with a body. Like it doesn't like like um, it's it's odd when when a person with a body suddenly appears. So they're startled. They're frightened. They thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, "Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts?" Verse thirty-nine. See my hands and my feet. That it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate before them. Luke is going way out of his way here. I mean, the the broiled fish detail is that really necessary? Luke is going way out of his way here to tell us that Jesus was a real person. He was not a spirit. He was not a ghost. He he has a body. He has a heart that beats. He has bones and muscles and skin and flesh and teeth. He ate broiled fish. Why in the world would Luke take the time to tell us that Jesus ate broiled fish? Who cares? Luke wants us to understand that Jesus really rose from the dead. Because, because you and I need a real flesh and blood savior. You and I need a savior who can eat broiled fish. Because we have real bodies. We don't, we don't, a a hypothetical or a theoretical savior will do us no good. A, A legend will do us no good. An idea will do us no good. Because we have real bodies and we have committed real sin with our real bodies. So we are really going to die. And we are going to suffer real punishment for our real sins done in our real body. None of this is theoretical, all of it is real. So we need a concrete historic fact. We need something that actually happened. We need a real Savior with a real body who really bore our real sins with his real body. He really died on that cross. And then he was really raised from the dead. And when we say he was really raised from the dead, we mean that he was so raised from the dead that he sat down and ate broiled fish. We are flesh and blood sinners. We have a flesh and blood Savior. Our salvation isn't an idea or a theory. Our salvation is a flesh and blood person. and His name is Jesus. That's the second way he helped his followers and us be ready to carry on joyfully, he, he ate broiled fish. Here's the third way. He opened their minds to understand Scripture, starting in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, and everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Look at the provision of Jesus here. Look at what He gives to those who belong to Him. He opens their minds to understand the Scriptures. Do you this morning... Believe the Word of God? Do you understand the Word of God? Has has the Word of God changed your life? Jesus has done this for you. He has opened your mind to understand. Jesus is the one who makes the Word of God meaningful and life-giving to you. There there is nothing in the world... I've just been thinking about this this week... I've been thinking about the idea of fellowship with Christ. It is, it is fascinating to me that if you, if you belong to Christ this morning, you feel as if you know him. Have you thought about that? The only, there's only one person that you've never physically met that you feel as if you know There's, and you feel as if you know Him because you know Him. And, and the way that we know God is through His Word. It's because, it's because Christ, through His Spirit, opens our, our, our minds to understand Scripture to such a degree that we can know and love God Himself. There's nothing else in the world like what Jesus does with His Word in the hearts and minds of His people. There's nothing in the world like this. This is his incredible kindness to us. Jesus hasn't just given us his word and left us to figure it out. He also opens our minds so that we can understand it. And we can understand it in such a degree that we can know and love and trust God. Um, If you've been listening to my sermons um, over the last few weeks... You you may recall that this is this is the third time that I've emphasized something like this, right? Something about remembering and and um, and clinging to the Word of God, and, and obsessing over the Word of God, and digging into the Word of God. The the importance of the Word of God. Maybe maybe you've you've realized, hey, this is a bit of a theme in Steve's preaching the last three Sundays. Well, it's a theme in. The sermons because it's a theme in this chapter. Luke keeps talking about it. In the very first sermon on Easter, um, the the angel said, "He is not here, but has risen." Remember how he told you. Remember the word of Jesus. And then last week on the way to Emmaus, Jesus um, Jesus beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. And then here today. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Thus it is written. Luke is is hammering this home, the importance of the Word of God. And here we get this today. We get this just wonderful piece of encouragement. Jesus Himself. The Word of God Himself opens our minds so we can understand it. Get into the Word of God and pray that Jesus, through His Spirit, will help you to understand. This is how His original followers carried on. This is how we will carry on with joy as well. And then number four, He gave them a mission. He gave them a mission. So not only has He spoken peace to them and He ate broiled fish, He's a real flesh and blood Savior, He opened their mind to understand Scripture, but also, number four, He gave them a mission verse 45 again then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them thus it is written that the christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and i think starting here luke is already looking forward to the the story of, of the, the book of acts i think i think at least part of the book of acts has been has luke has actually done at least some of the research for the book of acts already by the time he's writing this part of the book of luke Because he says, and, and, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. We're gonna see this in, in sort of the, the sequel to Luke's gospel is the book of Acts. And the book of Acts starts right here, where the, where the, the gospel begins in Jerusalem, and then it goes to all nations. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in the name of Jesus, to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And then he says verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. That's a that's an identity statement. Do you see that? So it's not just like Jesus has given you a side hustle or Jesus has given you a a hobby. Where, you, where he says, now sometimes, every once in a while, you're gonna, you're gonna witness about these things. You're gonna, you're gonna talk about some of this stuff you've seen. No, y- this is who you are now. You are a witness to the gospel. You have seen the gospel. This is who you are now. This changes everything. This is who you are. This is your mission. If you're a believer this morning, then you are a witness. Now, of course, you're not a witness the way the first century Christians were, the, the way that the, that the first disciples were, because you, you haven't seen with your physical eyes uh, um, the, the, the uh, life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. You haven't seen the resurrected Christ with your physical eyes, but... If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then you have seen it by God's grace. When Paul talks to the Galatian church, he's talking to a bunch of people who who weren't there when Jesus was was crucified. But he says, this is what he says to the Galatian church, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul has this understanding of the gospel that 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 when God grabs hold of our hearts with the gospel of Jesus Christ, when God proves the gospel to us, when God, when God brings us to faith, He does this in a way that where, we, where we see it. We, we don't see a, a 40 foot Jesus at the foot of our bed or something like that, but we but we see the gospel. We believe it so like we we believe it in a way we don't believe other historic facts. We believe it in a way where it changes us where it becomes real to us. He puts it a different way when he's talking to the Corinthian church. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are now witnesses. There is a very real way in which the the Gospel has become very real to us. We have, by God's grace, seen it. We've we've seen the truth and the beauty and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Even though we've never seen the glory of the face of Jesus Christ, God has shown in our hearts So we are witnesses. And if you are here this morning, it's, it's because Jesus is still building His church If he was done building his church, we'd be all with him right now. We'd be done. It'd it'd be over. We'd be with Jesus. But we are here this morning because Jesus is building his church. And we get to be a part of it. I'm going to say a few things, and you can, if you disagree with them, you can just stop listening. Okay? Um, but if you keep agreeing with every statement I make, then you have to keep listening. That's the deal. We're going to make a deal right there. That's your part of it. I talk, and you, you, if you keep agreeing, you keep listening. So, first statement is, is we were created for fellowship with God. We We were created to to know God and to love God and to honor God and to obey God. We were created to relate to God. We were created for God. We were not created to pursue joy in our own way, under our own terms. We were created to know God and to worship God and to be in fellowship with God and and then joy is a byproduct we are created for God. We, if we're not careful, we can talk, though, about fellowship with God in really weird, unhelpful ways. But when Scripture talks about fellowship with God, with God about knowing God, about honoring God, sometimes Scripture says that, that fellowship with God is is simply resting in Christ. It's simply, it's simply knowing that He loves you and forgives you and is with you and for you. It's simply preaching the gospel to yourself. It's just it's simply it's simply relishing uh, in, in like the justification through Christ by grace. Sometimes sometimes fellowship with God is simply resting in the gospel of Jesus. Sometimes fellowship with God is is intellectual. It's it's opening up the scriptures. And learning who he is and what he is like and what it means to think the way he wants us to think. It's, it's fascinating that that we we have a book, and that's how we relate to our Creator. And the more we know of him in the in his word, the, the more Christ opens our minds to understand the scripture, the more the Spirit teaches us, the more it seems as we know God. some of the fellowship is resting in Him. Some of that fellowship is educational. Some of that fellowship is moral. It's, it's pursuing holiness and purity. It's, it's more and more and more loving what God loves and hating what God hates. And, and then some of that fellowship with God... So, are you, so hopefully you're tracking with me and you just kind of agree with all of that so far. And you're like, Steve, you're right, as usual. Yep, good, good, good. Nailing it, good. But then also some of that fellowship is, is missional. We, we enjoy sweeter fellowship with Christ when we commit ourselves to disciple making. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus says to us, to the church, go and make disciples. And then along with that, He says, I'll be with you. So the, the logic there is that we're going to know more of the withness with Christ. the More of the fellowship with Christ. More of the joy of Christ. We're going to know more of that as we go and we obey Him. We go and we make disciples. The logic... Of the concluding chapters of the Gospels is this: If you want to be with Christ, then you can do what Paul talked about—the the fellowship of his sufferings, the fellowship of his sufferings, the, the, the fellowship of of going through the just in this in this broken, sinful world, the 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 suffering of making disciples for Christ. People talk about, yeah, I just don't feel really close to Jesus. I don't really feel very close to God. They, we, we talk about it in weird ways. But then when we kind of sort it out, we realize, well, I'm not really, I'm not really studying his word. I, I'm, I'm not really preaching the gospel to myself. I'm not really striving to hate what he hates and to love what he loves. And I'm not really making disciples. So there's all these avenues for for actual concrete fellowship with God that we are ignoring. If you go about trying to find joy, and I know this from personal experience, right? I know this from, from, from vast amounts of, embarrassingly large amounts of personal experience. If you go about trying to just find joy and find fulfillment in this life, if that's just sort of your goal, it's probably not going to work out well. But if you go about life trying to know God, to to do what Paul says, which is know Christ in the power of his resurrection, and know him through the avenues that he's given us, real joy is a real byproduct of that. Real joy comes knowing God. I think think we will know Christ and have real fellowship with him as we go and we make disciples. As As we commit ourselves to the thing he wants us committed to. We are his witnesses. So he spoke peace to them. He ate broiled fish. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he gave them a mission. And then finally, he promised his spirit. Verse 49, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And we see at the very beginning of the book of Acts, this happens. Right? Acts eight: this, this happens. Christ is talking about the Holy Spirit. He is going to send His Holy Spirit upon His followers. So they will not be left alone. We are not left alone. Christ not only opens our minds to understand the Scriptures, He also gives us the strength to obey them. He does this through His Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding. The Holy Spirit grows in us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Because of the Spirit's work in our lives, we more and more want to honor Christ. We more and more love our Heavenly Father. Because of the Spirit, we are sealed until the day of redemption. Through the Spirit, we are comforted in ways we cannot describe. We are equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. By giving us His Spirit, Jesus has given us so much. No wonder Jesus says in John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage That I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is to our advantage that Christ has gone and that he has given us his Spirit. As As we close out the book of Luke this morning as we close out sermon number 68 chapter number 24 Can can we be honest with ourselves this is a great time to just to stop and try to take in what Luke has for us It's a great time to ask ourselves, are, are we running our race with joy? Are we carrying on joyfully? Are you carrying on joyfully? I, I'm not asking if you're faithful. I'm not asking about your faithfulness. Obviously, Faithfulness is incredibly important. And I want that for you and I want that for me as well. But I also want joyfulness for us. I want us to carry on joyfully. At at the beginning of his Gospel, Luke said, the very first few verses... Luke said that he was writing this eyewitness account of the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Luke was writing this eyewitness account so that you might have certainty. As we close this eyewitness account, do you have certainty has jesus spoken peace to you by the blood of his cross has jesus indeed eaten broiled fish is he the real flesh and blood savior that you need for your real flesh and blood sin Has He opened your mind to understand the Scriptures? Has He given you a mission? Has He he made you His witness? Is He building His church through you? And has He given you His Spirit? Are, Are you certain about those things? And if so, isn't there great joy in all of that? Let's carry on joyfully. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for our time in the book of Luke. I'm I'm thankful for all that You have given us as You've carried Luke along by Your Spirit to record this beautiful eyewitness account of the determination of Your Son to save us from our sins. The, The birth and the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you for what you have given us in this gospel. And we thank you that you want us to carry on joyfully. That you want more than just faithfulness from us. You want joy. You want us to enjoy you. Enjoy fellowship with you. Enjoy serving you. Enjoy loving and honoring and knowing and being known by you. we confess that we are not good at joy. We struggle with apathy. We we struggle with tiredness. We struggle with bitterness. We struggle with laziness and cowardice. We pray that you would stir our hearts by your Spirit, open our minds to the work of your Son. Help us to understand and believe the Scriptures. Help us to see what Jesus Christ has given us. Help us to carry on joyfully. We are so thankful for Jesus Christ. We thank you that he set his face like flint to save us from our sins and to give us an abundant life, a life of joy following him. Thank you for all of this. In his name we pray. Amen.